Welcome to episode six. Today we get to visit with the leader of one of the most iconic and influential hard rock bands to come out of the alternative 90s rock scene, Paige Hamilton of Helmet. Helmet emerged out of the scene in New York City after a few years of doing shows at the famed club CBGB's. After the release of their album Strap It On, Helmet signed a huge deal with Interscope Records and gave birth to one of metal's most influential albums of the 90s, Meantime. The opening track on the album In the Meantime, which you can hear in the background now, was recorded by punk engineer legend Steve Albini and was Grammy nominated for Best Metal Performance in 1992. Helmet's unique style incorporates different time signatures and rhythm, yet never loses the groove. This gave listeners in the 90s something brand new to listen to in the very oversaturated market of grunge at the time. Furthermore, Helmet's fashion style stuck out and was quite new and refreshing for metal-style band. Helmet followed their own fashion style. Simple t-shirts, jeans, sneakers, and short haircuts. Paige Hamilton has always been the leader of Helmet as the lineup has changed a bit since its inception in 1989. His deep musical background consists of jazz guitar as well as serious classical influences like composer Bela Bartok, Ludwig van Beethoven, Mozart, and more. Although you may not be able to hear this right away when listening to Helmet, Paige assures us that his chordal influence in Helmet has a lot to do with his classical roots. The current band lineup consisting of guitarist Dan Beeman, bassist Dave Case, and drummer Kyle Stevenson has been together for 10 years, and the band just achieved an incredible feat for Helmet's 30th anniversary, in which they performed in 30 cities playing 30 songs at each show. This was called the 30 by 30 by 30 tour, in which there was no opening band for any of the shows. The band performed this 30-song show in 30 cities in Europe, as well as 30 more shows in the U.S. Many of these shows completely sold out, proving that after all these years, yes, Helmet is still going strong, and their fan base is loyal as ever. Originally, I first met Paige briefly in 1994 on the Helmet Betty tour through drummer John Stanier, who I met through conversation and a connection that we both were involved somewhat in the Florida Wave Drum and Bugle Corps drumline in the mid-1980s. But it wasn't until 2015 on the 20th anniversary tour of Helmet's Betty album when I approached Paige to compose a commissioned symphonic work for my band students in Atlanta, and we then became musical friends and colleagues. So here's my interview with iconic rocker, musician, and friend, Paige Hamilton. Paige, thanks for joining us here on Sunday Music Soapbox, buddy. You just celebrated Helmet's 30-year anniversary. I saw, I saw that show twice. Cool. What keeps the Helmet train running? love love of what we're doing you know that's that's uh i mean and you know and and fortunately people um people are still listening you know <laughs> so if if you can still love what you do and have and nobody if nobody gives a crap you know you're not going to get shows booked but um yeah we managed to do you know as you know 30 shows in europe and 30 in the u.s um as part of the 30 by 30 by 30 30 song sets which i stupidly agreed to um you know a, a year earlier while i was sitting on my balcony with a nice cold beer but um it turned out to be great now it's now anything less than 30 songs feels like doesn't even feel like a, a full set so. right right um i mean is it also like the team you've assembled right and and tell people you know your, your band lineup a lot of people don't know how how long these guys have actually been in the band kyle stevenson my drummer is uh and i can call him my drummer um, yeah. he is, he's the longest tenured member of helmet ever. Um, he's yeah. been in the band, uh, I want to say 13 years, 
Um, but it's a lot, you know, it's, uh, the original yeah. lineup with uh, John Stanier, Henry Bogdan, and Peter Mingaday was together for five years. But John and Henry and I played together for nine years, I think, something like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, just love him. He, you know, Kyle, he's a, a great, you know, he's a, you know, the guys end up, if you, I think if you have a good, vibe a good relationship with uh your bandmates you, you know you kind of become brothers and you you definitely i definitely love them all three of them dan and kyle and dave uh we hung out together for uh for kyle and dan's birthday last saturday in the pandemic with our bandanas and nice um we we we, we truly enjoy each other's company i respect them as as human beings and as musicians and that's a uh, huge part of it. I, I couldn't do something that I didn't believe in. I know a lot of my friends that are rock stars make a lot of money doing uh, music that they don't believe in anymore and yeah. playing with people that they treat with, uh, without respect and right. like oftentimes. And I, I feel really uh, fortunate that that's not the case with us. And if I, if I was in that situation, uh, I don't think I, I could do it, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And it's just funny. A lot of people don't know, you know, oh, Helmet, you know, how these guys, you know, like, no, they've been in the band for a long time. And yeah. uh, Kyle, uh, who's in my, my, my first episode, he was nice enough to do my first episode. We talked about all the drummer stuff on that side of it. So it's nice to have you in on this side of it. Oh, yeah. I like a, I have a high hat. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got a high hat, too. <laughs> how oh, many yeah, high hats do you have? <laughs> well we'll get to that later i've got some funnier questions for you later about that yeah, so we'll get to that well one it's funny one one interview i just did today uh was we talked about drummers and I, and i said there's the old adage that you're only as good as your drummer which is absolutely true if your drummer stinks your band probably stinks so yeah you uh, yeah. It's, it's so we as we as all musicians know it's so important drums are that's the that's the heartbeat when i do the rock camps with the kids i'm like i, I stress that kick drum is the heartbeat. You don't want to kill the band. You got to keep that heartbeat going. So yeah, for sure. Um, it's amazing that that I, like we say, like helmets so revered around the world. I mean, even well, we're into 28, 30 years later, removed from when you know that music was the main scene and the mainstream of the '90s when you first dove in and had a lot of success, and you continue to have success 30 years later. What what do you think it is that keeps the loyal fans coming back to your shows all around the world? Well, I mean, the one thing that I, I just mentioned is is love uh, we do it out of love if you if i didn't believe in the music i couldn't be convincing on stage and or in recording yeah um and i think being honest about what you do and trying to be what you are uh, rather than try to be what someone else thinks you should be i had a yeah. conversation with pal tommy uh, victor from prong when we toured together and he said he always admired how uh, even though we signed to a major label we we maintained our helmetness we didn't try to adapt he said yeah we tried to do some stuff in prong that wasn't us and i and it was you know uh, when they signed to a major and um i i may either i'm i'm limited in my scope and i don't know any other way or you know i yeah. just stick to my guns and i think that's a big part of it helmet fans know you know nobody's gonna love everything you do and i and i can't worry about that like i know there are i'm sure there's a hardcore contingent of people that only want the original lineup and that lineup was only together for what was it 89 90 91 92 four years something like that so yeah. uh you know it's i think people that that like are in love music and appreciate uh 
you know, appreciate where it's coming from. That it's it's you expand upon what you do without throwing the the, the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. So yeah. We're not reinvent ourselves we're playing helmet music it's two guitars bass and drums and you know th in this lineup i have four guys to sing so that's an added uh added bonus so yeah and i th i think it's just a great thing that it, that you guys are still out there doing it I, for any if there are diehards like that and they're wang you know got a, their panties in a wad about it i mean be blessed that like you still get to see this band and they're completely tight you know you guys yeah. are completely on point you've been together so long and every time you I mean i've been to over 10 shows and a, two of those overseas which i had a great time by the way but yeah. you know it, it's it's a thing that the fans come back and they're just it's almost like geez when when's how am i going to start sucking you know 30 years later you're not sucking you know my my, my friend jason Pettigrew from alternative press who i've known forever and ever and ever senior editor over there and they had us on the cover a couple of times you know early on in the mm -hmm. 90s and he said, even though you're my friend and I love you, if you guys suck, I'm not going to write a good review. And, I, and I, he, said, I, his, he said specifically, if you start to sound like Night Ranger, I'm going to slag you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I, would, I would expect you to. I wouldn't, you know. And if that, hap if that happens, then I've lost my mind. So um, I'm going to. That's yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to go on a quick tangent um, here in Nashville. It happens every time I wear a helmet T-shirt out anywhere. I've got two stories for you. So I go to this, um, this, you know, Americana Fest, which was a, in 2018 was a really cool event because they not, didn't just have Americana, you know, folk singers and stuff, which is great. But they had some roots rock, really cool bands. And they had this one band called the Nude Party. The Nude Party is a younger band from Boone, North Carolina. They're like 24, 25 years old. And they they've got the vibe of like the early stones, man. They 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 are. I'd never heard of them. And I saw them and I, uh, at Americana Fest and. Long story short, I, I saw them at, at uh, Third Man Records at the show, and I, they blew me away. So they're having a house party at some place, in which I pretty much snuck into. And I get there, and I walk in, and I'm wearing the helmet. Uh, my helmet in the meantime shirt. I got my hat and my glasses. And every single person, I, almost every single person, like, helmet, no way, dude. Like, every single uh, nice. person stopped me, you know. And so that was that's always crazy. And then the other thing is um, I'm in Layla's, which I, is one of my hangs, and, and I just – one of the bars here in Nashville I, I gravitate towards because the people are so great. They're so loving. They're nice. And uh, there's a guy that performs there. He's a legendary, just great honky-tonk artist. His name is Greg Gehring. And so I, I, I'm in there one day, and I've got my helmet shirt on, you know, months later or whatever. And Greg comes up to me, and I, talk, I met him a couple times. Guy's a Nashville legend. I mean, he's amazing. Um, and he goes, hey, He's like, I got a helmet story for you. I said, what? He says, Henry Bogdan. I said, yeah. He said, I, he played with me. He plays a hell of a lap steel. I said, get out of here. Yeah. So, you know, he plays bass with you and then goes to New York City and plays, plays in a band with Greg Gehring uh, playing lap steel. Blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. No, Henry was, Henry was uh, into that when he was still in helmet. We were, we'd be on the road. It's, it was really interesting. Um, I mean, part part of the sound of a band, obviously, is the combination of musical personalities yeah. that you put together. And uh, John would be listening to hip hop, and then then he got into drum and bass, and he would turn me on to that stuff. Uh, Henry would be listening to uh, Saul who who pe you know uh, uh, slap steel, and then uh, Hank Williams and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, um, and I and I tend to listen to a lot of 
uh, Ray Fawn Williams and, and, uh, you know, classical music on the road. Cause it just takes me out of my, yeah. you know, after yeah. you've, after you've been, you know, screaming into a mic for two hours and playing loud guitar, it's, it's the kind of the last thing I feel like listening to. Um, and, uh, and I'm still have this fantasy that I'm going to write this amazing piece for electric guitar and orchestra, which I am. Yeah. Um, cool. And, uh, so yeah, it's Henry. I knew he had that uh, ability. The thing that uh, people don't, uh, this conversation I had today with this guy in Israel, this interview, we're, we talked about that, about musicians. Uh, TM Stevens uh, once said to me, the great bassist from, you know, pretenders and James Brown and Miles Davis and everything. He said, Helmet's like a big ball of ice cream, and then you dig in, and there's spinach inside. It's <laughs> it, it, it's like yeah, it's like sweet and sticky, and feels good, and you can bang your head. But then you dig into it, and like oh wow, this isn't a weird time signature, but it feels like four. And you know, Henry is an incredibly underrated musician, and I knew that you know when when we auditioned him, you know, John. Peter and I were buds. And so we played together and then we auditioned drummers and John was a no brainer. And then we didn't have a bass player. We tried a couple of, we had a, a friend of ours for a while uh, that didn't work quite work out. He was wearing headphones um, in the studio. And I was like, nah, that's not going to work. You know, headphones in the rehearsal and uh, just wasn't, I don't know. It just didn't feel right for us. He played a Rickenbacker. I didn't like the sound sure. um, for us. Long story yeah. short, we auditioned all these people. Thirteen, I think. I think Henry was number thirteen. Came in and just like he just blew us away. He just has an incredible feel, uh, an incredibly unique um, r- approach to rhythm. He he wrote uh, um, uh, Flushings. Uh, what, I'm trying to think of the songs that we do of his. Uh, um, ah, yeah, the, where the time signatures are really obviously asymmetric. Very weird. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and it was hard for me to actually he had these long six minute epic funk jam things. And I had to trim. I go, can is are you cool if we trim this down and turn it into an actual song? And he's like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, cool. uh, yeah. Silver Hawaiian comes to mind. Silver okay. Hawaiian is, as you know, or may or may not know, that's that's a very um, uh, sought after, I think, lap steel um, inst- instrument. And that's that's. Yeah where the title of that song comes from, from the Betty album. So right yeah. yeah, no, I'm not surprised that Henry was ripping in somebody's band. He's a, uh, he's, he's a great, great musician. And John, as you know, is like, you know, an international star with battles and he does really yeah. well. So, yeah. Uh, and have, we have a little bit of similar drumline background in that. And yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah. With, with, uh, let's see. Uh, you're, I'll just talk about your serious, your serious, you have a serious jazz background. Before I even knew this, you know, I was listening to Helmet when, back, back in the day, and, and I was like, and then I hear, you know, oh, Paige and his jazz influence. I'm like, jazz, and I, I couldn't hear it. And what, what, I, what I'm saying is, you have a serious jazz background, which I'm guessing most Hel- Helmet fans are unaware of, right? Are they unaware of like your. But, you know, I don't know. Like, I did, um, I reposted, I did a couple of uh, tunes for the Brit Festival in my home, uh, my home community. Uh, it's a hundred year old classical festival, and I've gotten yeah. to play with the orchestra a few times, and I work with the kids for the rock. Camp. Yeah, we're going to touch on that soon. Cool. Well, I did, a, I did, um, I kind of did an improvised, you know, jam over Angel Eyes, and then I did uh, Darn That Dream, and I, I reposted my, with the help of my friend, because I'm an Instagram idiot, um, <laughs> uh, the, my, my version of, uh, darn that dream and and uh, uh she sent me some comments because i don't read it 
um, people were like really excited and knew you played jazz and, and and some people were surprised that I played jazz. I, I think if yeah. you've been a helmet fan for a long time, they probably know. Yeah. And we did beautiful love on Betty in 94. Although, you know, we did our kind of tongue in cheek, you know, butchering yeah. of it. Uh, sure. Um, does, but, um, yeah, that's a great, it's a great love of mine. It's the first thing I do every, every morning when I wake up, uh, is play jazz guitar. So oh, nice. Well, I, I, should be, I should be way better. <laughs> does i mean my, my question is does the wide that's such a wide difference between your jazz roots and the and your rock persona does that seem to balance you out is what i'm saying it balances me out but it's also uh, it's another thing i talked about earlier today uh, that people somebody will say well i don't hear jazz and helmet well it's one thing that that like steve jordan the, the, the great i should say steve jordan and danny korchmar two heroes of mine who've come to see helmet play pocket yeah, and Steve Jordan said, you know, you guys are like, you guys play heavy music. You're white boys that groove. And he goes, it's like he said, a lot of the metal, quote unquote, metal music is too straight and stiff for him. But he loved that we groove. And that's what is jazz, what is jazz if not feel? It's swing. I talked to a great yeah. jazz pianist in my, my home community in Eugene, Oregon, a million years ago. And I was like, what are you playing on stomping at the Savoy? And he said, I'm just trying to swing. Well, that's the first thing, the feel. If you listen to a song like Give It, it swings. The second thing is, uh, you know, an experimenting with harmony. With In jazz, if I know that, you know, a, a, a C major 7 is made, is C, E, G, and B, and a 9 is a D, and a you know, sharp 11 is an F sharp, I know how to put chords together. So if I know, that, if I can experiment and explore the, the fretboard with jazz chords, why not with helmet, which is something I've done over the years. So there's, you're yeah. going to find chord voicings that are unique to helmet that no one else on the planet yeah. has, has yeah, ever, when, when ever you, played before. So. Yeah. When you dig, it's there. Yeah. You can, at yeah. first, on first young ears or, you know, not ears that are not in, in tune with the music theory or a lot of those things, but it comes out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Music is, you know, we, I mean, you got melody, harmony, rhythm, and the form, which is the structure of the tune, and text, the words. That's the same throughout all, all music, whether you're, it's an you know, uh, opera aria or uh, Billie Holiday singing Strange Fruit or, or a helmet you know, headbanging song. It's, it's, it, we're dealing with the same, you know, and the, the same 12 notes in Western music as well. And or whatever, 12, 11, is it 11? I guess 12, yeah. no, it's 12, yeah. Yeah. If you get to the, if you go to full octave. <laughs> yeah, right on. But, but, you know, yeah. Elaborate on your, your, your classical roots on the other side of things. Where, where's, you know, where did you start your love of classical and who's, you know, some of your favorite composers and what, and you said that kind of mellows you out. Um, you know, elaborate on that. Um, as far as mellowing me out, what I, I discovered Rafe Vaughn Williams uh, because of KUSC, which is a local uh a radio station at University of Southern California, and they have incredibly knowledgeable, um, you know, announcers, DJs, whatever they're called, and the, and they play everything from Morton Lordson, who's a great modern composer, to Ray Fon Williams, who was about a hundred years ago or so. I mean, he, he lived in this century, uh, sure. and they've turned me on to music that I just never knew existed before. This is when I first moved here, fifteen, sixteen years ago. But I always, as a young man, and I auditioned. Uh, uh, at the University of Oregon um, after going to Lane Community College is where I did a kind of crash course in one year, how to, how to read and um, what the notes are and, and theory. And I started studying classical guitar 
am I? Because my my hero mentor uh, teacher Gary Hagberg, who was a professor at Oregon, now he teaches at Bard Philosophy at Bard College in New York in Annandale, New York. He said you're going to study classical guitar and then you're going to study jazz with me. He stressed the importance of both. So I got a classical guitar and you know and started working on Bach and. Uh, you know, everything from Napoleon Cost to Bach and, and you know, Fernando Sorg and classical music. But then in, in music, once I got into music school at Oregon, um, obviously we were analyzing Beethoven. You know, we were going and I had to write and write two part counterpoints, three part counterpoints, four part counterpoints with all those rules of no parallel fourths or fifths, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it was it was it's just having a basic background in, in music. And of course, if you listen to Beethoven and you don't connect, then there's something wrong with you, you know? Yeah. And it, and it connected in a huge way with me. He was the kind of person, the composer that really got into, into music because it was so bold and it's, and let's face, face it. It's like the first heavy metal riffs, you know what I mean? Right. Bah, 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 dun, 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 dun. And from a writing standpoint, if you're writing thematic music which we are a riff is a theme it's a motif if you listen to the to the great writers you know as howard roberts my mentor's mentor who started git bit pit which is now musicians institute uh steal from the best so if you're going to steal a riff steal from beethoven rather than you know uh i don't know frank lloyd weber right no what was it what uh, andrew yeah. lloyd weber or whatever sure. nothing against him just like right easy mainstream and Beethoven and I've been to Beethoven's house in Baden where he worked on the ninth symphony six six and me I've been to Beethoven's Pasqualiti house apartment and I've been to his uh, Heiligenstadt apartment I've been to three Beethoven residences and one Mozart Mo Mozart only has one residence that still exists because uh, he only went through he was only well off financially for a very short period of time when he lived yeah. by, the, by the dome in um, Duomo in um uh, in Vienna. And uh, so I've been to Mozart's place three times. I've been to Bartok's house in Budapest, outside Budapest. Um, uh, and it was amazing and emotional. His Bosendorfer is still there. Uh, it, and his sandals and his bug collection. And just, it was phenomenal. And it just really emotional to be walking up the steps that these geniuses walked up. <laughs> it's just, yeah. If you're not moved by that, then you probably you're probably you know a, a, an emotionless drone. Yeah, well, it's amazing. And and you know back to Beethoven, he had such a horrible childhood, and he ran away when he was like 16. And uh, I, I taught Beethoven and music in my music history classes for you know 10, 10 15 years, and um, he had kind of a Jekyll and Hyde persona, which which has a, a, a not not a particular per persona to you. But like the difference between the jazz and the classical and your rock side, you know? Yeah. It's kind of some parallels in there that, that I'm feeling. Um, how important is reading music to some degree? You know, what would you tell young musicians out there? It's, it's incredibly important. Um, it, it, people, I had another earlier conversation. Again, I'll, I'll allude to um, a, a guy in music school a million years ago or a guy that I went to college with, I should say. I don't want to learn any theory. I don't need to know anything. Um, and I'm like, that's an incredibly stupid, uh, stupid attitude for any musician to have because there is no bad knowledge. And it's like, well, I want to be myself. I want to sound like myself. There's uh, you know, I'm like, well, then that's that's up to you. You can have as much, you know, someone can can learn Pro Tools and crank out the most cookie cutter 
piles of crap you've ever heard in your life, or they could become they could be a tech tech whiz kid like Trent Reznor is and and put out emotional, interesting, cool music. You know, it's yeah. it's it, it's the, it's up to the composer. It's up to the musician. Not there's a, I'm gonna find a. Uh, okay, this is uh, Howard uh, Roberts, who I just uh, referred to, and Gary Hagberg, my mentor, wrote a, a book, a uh, three-volume three series called Guitar Compendium. Introduction to Section 9, Why Theory. Within the cult of guitarists, there exists a general and unfortunate suspicion concerning the value of music theory, harmony, and analysis. Specific variants of the suspicion include the belief that an understanding of music theory will hamper natural music, musical creativity and expressiveness. That is uh, all a hopelessly abstract and utterly impractical endeavor anyway, that the fundamental task of the theorist or analyst is to re, uh, re-describe an intuitive process in misleading logical terms that, that Believe me, these Howard and Gary are two super brains. So well, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a music. I'm getting a music nerd alert here. I'm just for yeah, our yeah. listeners. But but nothing in them even makes it to that level of half truth. But rather than responding to naive prejudice with dismissive scorn, let's be rational uh, rational about the matter. Right? If you subscribe to these skeptical views, you may well possess an overdeveloped sense of leisure. They're saying you're just being lazy. Yeah. Uh, lit, uh, literate musicians can perform, read write, speak, imagine the musical language, and they can do it as quickly and as naturally as one speaks a native language. So if you, every single bit of information, if I'm handed a piece of music and I don't have the benefit of hearing a recording of that piece of music, I can look at it on the page and go, oh, it goes like this. Yeah, wave. Yeah, and is that, that's a bad skill to have? I think not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's only it's up to the individual. I, I, I subscribe to learning and absorbing and studying every single thing you can. But at the same time, I'm also, you know, yesterday I figured out a Gordon Lightfoot song on the guitar for fun. And the week before I figured out Wichita lineman from Glenn Campbell on the guitar for fun. Learn with your ears. I'm also working. I just start. I got in my car yesterday and heard Wes Montgomery playing something and i sat down and the first three chords were stuck in my head so i picked them out on the guitar those by learning the fretboard and learning learning how to read and learning to have access to all this material you're only expanding your 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 palette your you know your your palette from which to paint and and there's i'm never going to say that's that's not constructive yeah yeah. for sure yeah well i equate it to the whole thing you know about that is you know going to music school or going to high school studying music theory and all those things and then going out and doing it's it's like in life when you're you know you go to high school you go to college and really you're not going to remember you know math theories and all that stuff four years later you know you're, you're the whole thing is the life experience and so when you're studying when i went to ohio state to study and i did everything i dove in everything composition music theory music history conducting i did it all and that yeah. when i got out of college what i kept what stayed with me helped shape you know the musician that i am and the projects helped me in the projects i was in you know and it, and it, it was just kind of a, a life preparation experience you know kind of same thing with basic music theory learning how to read it's 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 giving you the tools so you can go further i think a case in point we're in the middle of a pandemic um, I, my band had an incredible year last year with the 30th anniversary, uh, from 1989 to, to uh, 2019. 
and we had uh, 2020 was even busier. We had had tours of Australia, Japan, Philippines, Europe again, U.S. with Corn and Faith No More, uh, yep. the most extensive tour of South America we've ever done, booked, uh, and then another U.S. tour, and and I was all blown out, obviously, for because of the pandemic. Well, I have all these skills as a musician i got approached by the school of rock they said i did some interviews uh, with the kids just like a q a kind of thing because they were doing a uh, special on cbgb's they're studying music of cbgb's and that's oh yeah where helmet got our start we auditioned yep. at cbgb's so i was one of their interviewees well they, they the school was so thrilled they were like oh my god the, the kids loved it and would love to have you more involved with the school. So I'm like, absolutely. So I'm going to be teaching some classes for them. Um, my, then the great uh, Thomas Lang, a friend of mine who I started writing with, a you know, drum god, yeah. from, you know, who was playing with Falco at 17 and played on every Spice Girls Take That session back in the uh, London until he moved to, moved here. And he teaches. Um, he has a nine nine beats music school, which is the largest music school in the world in China. And he said, I, I really would love to have you involved because uh, you have such a unique skill set. You play jazz. You love jazz. You have helmet. You write. You read. You do all these things. So all these skills. Um, and, and I've been approached by friends over years to, uh, to, to, to do lessons, including, you know, be, from beginning players to advanced players that are I have three guys now that I'm going to be. We're, I'm essentially sort of remote producing with them, showing, uh, getting into songwriting um, and uh, stuff with them. It's like, I have these riffs. I don't know what to do with them. I'm like, I'm totally, now that we're, we're all grounded and I can't be playing all these shows, I'm, I have the time. And, it's, and so having these, these skills um, that I you know, you know, work on you know, over the course of my life um, is, is really, you know, is, is pr been practically useful right now, as well as, you know, has influenced the way I write, sing, think, play. Yeah. Uh, so it's, yeah. Right on. And, and going further to the music education thing, tell us about the other stuff. Tell us about the program in Oregon again. Oh, oh, Oregon. Well, Oregon was the uh, Brit, uh, Brit Festival. I grew up the, going to the Brit Children's Festival, which is a uh, Brit Festival's a hundred year old classical festival in uh, Jacksonville, Oregon. And they have a, a the an outdoor theater and used to go. I saw Ralph Towner there, met him, actually. Um, I saw Kenny Burrell there, um, Cootie Williams, different people that I do. I'd go with my mom and you can sit on the grass with a bottle of wine and some chips and you know, or whatever cheese and crackers and hear incredible music. Um, they do everything now from like Primus to, uh, uh, you know, the, the orchestras. Uh, and I got to play on a Mason Bates piece. I also got to play the Bernstein concert, which we did like stuff from, um, from a variety of his pieces, including obviously West side story. And they had a rock camp for a couple of years. That was really, really fun. I loved it. And then a new CEO came in and, and, uh, canceled it and they did, tried to do a guitar thing for a couple of years but it was too much information it was like eight different guitar styles in the course of a weekend and yeah i think they kind of blew it by canceling the rock camp but that's my opinion but i still have great affection for the people that i worked with there uh Kay hilton being one and um, grant ruiz a flamenco guy and a guy ed uh, dunn savage who teaches it they, those guys teach at southern oregon university which is in ashland oregon I love my, I, I try to maintain my connection to them. And so I've, I'm doing actually a couple of pieces for them first week of August again. Um, and that kind of, kind of, you know, helped me sort of get, develop this 
uh, love of, of uh, you know, they, a friend of mine said, would you work with the rock band kids? And I had no idea that it would be so, um, just so fulfilling, just so intense and emotional when you, when you have a kid who's, you're bringing him along, you're showing him, you know, things, music. And it's, I had a kid, I'll never forget this kid, Ryan, and he was super quiet, shy kid. And like he, you know, but he kept stepping on his guitar cord and unplugging his guitar. So I showed him how to, <laughs> how to, how to put it through that strap and just seeing his face like and end of the camp, his mother comes up to me and the kid barely said two words to me. Mother comes up to me. She's like, Ryan will not stop talking about you at home. He thinks you're the bee's knees. And I'm like, Oh my God, that makes me so happy. And I had another kid, uh, Cole, who was, who was by himself on day one. And so I went straight up to him and I said, I'm Paige. I play guitar. What instrument do you play? Because we were introducing ourselves to, so they could put their bands together. Well, it turned out Cole had uh, a mild, 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 uh, I guess you would call it autism, Asperger's or something like that, where his social skills were not finely uh, tuned. But by me taking him under my wing, showing him the way he had, a, he, he, uh, he ended up kind of blossoming and his father and um, I and Cole had coffee one day. Before, right before Cole was going to graduate with his class on playing trumpet, bass, and guitar, three instruments. And you, this kid had all this talent and ability. He just was kind of, in, you know, he, he just needed to have, you know, a, a, somebody that he could have some faith in that showed some faith in him. And that's, an, I, I yep. can't tell you how. I, I get really like the first concert I was, I had to, like, I, they asked me to come up and speak and I could, I, I was, to keep myself from, you know, looking like a, yeah. an ass and crying. I was like, that's eh, great. The kids are great. It's, it's going really good. <laughs> but I mean, Tell you know, me I, got, yeah. I got the stage tech for them during the concert, you know, and just seeing the looks on their faces, like the, my, uh, my little drummer guy. Oh, God, what was his name? Ta Taylor. Uh, and then and, and I kept with my fist pumping like, like heartbeat because I was like the kick drum heartbeat. Keep going. Keep going. He just was staring at me while he was playing and. It's in, it's incredible to pass on the knowledge and information and and you know stuff that we've learned in the, uh, you know uh, you know with, uh, in a musician's life to 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 kids and and you know just imagine what they'll be able to do with it and it's uh it's uh, it's a it's an amazing thing it's it really is yeah and w when I first uh, you know reached out to you and I had this had this idea you know it was, it was I was a band director in Atlanta for 20 years, raising a family and doing that and playing drums regionally. And I, um, I just had some kind of an inkling that I, you know, I knew that you've done some movie score things, but I, you know, I, I, there's the, there's the, you know, the helmet fan side of me, but you know, hope I've never mean to come off as a, as a fan girl with you. And I don't think I, hopefully you didn't get that vibe, but I yeah. had this idea for a project. And um, once we started talking, you know, it was really exciting to see that, you know, and I, I everything that you're talking about with the kids, obviously, I, I know I, I, I've been yeah. through and, and all that. And then for us to be able to work together with kids was was awesome. And um, yeah. just for a moment, let's talk about the symphonic band composition you did three years ago at St. Pius in Atlanta. I'm going to play it for our listeners at the end of the interview later. But okay, um, cool. but I, but I but I want to say when I first approached you about that was that was actually before the drumline mashup we did that was a bonus idea later but um, yes again you were really nice about that you didn't blow me off about that and I and I guess I didn't know how much at the time that you were into education music education yeah and so you know and I I'm thinking 
you know, the typical helmet fan isn't going to geek out that, that, you know, you, you composed a modern classical piece with high school kids. And we didn't plan to sell yeah. volumes of that, but I think like, I think only a hundred were made total, but what matters to me the most is that we did that piece and it exists and the experience that those kids had. Yeah. Oh man. I can't, I, I can't even tell you how, how for me, what an incredible, uh, experience it was first of all but how much fun i had and it was really funny i've told my friends or family you know i'm not a I, I, because i tour a lot I, my hours are are a little bit messed up i remember know? you saying that yeah you might get up on you know you might get in your bunk on the bus by 3 a.m you know and, yep. and uh, you know and if you're lucky you get four or five hours of sleep and you know noon you roll out and have your coffee and i do my as my band will tell you, I do my morning coffee and jazz guitar in the front lounge with the headphones on. Um, well, here I am at, you know, at school, you know, <laughs> it's Catholic school hours, and I got my coffee, and I'm walking down the hall, like, barely alive. And, you know, not to mention I'm on West Coast time, and you guys are in the East Coast time. Yep. So I, mean, yeah. I don't know. I have no idea what time it is. <laughs> and you're going to the hall, and these and he's little kids are like, hey, hi, Mr. Hamilton. And I'm like, oh. Mr. Hamilton. Oh, that's me. Oh, hey. <laughs> hey, what's up, kid? Hey, how you doing? You know, feeling like a complete derelict, but it was it was so much fun. And then I did, um, you you had me do a guitar specific uh, clinic, which was yeah. really cute and really fun. And ESP, my uh, guitar company that I've been with for a million years, uh, kindly donated some instruments, I believe, and um, uh, that was great. And then I also did a kind of a more general career thing in the, the theater that we did uh yep. for, for for any kid you know because not just careers in music but i like to encourage kids to 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 follow your passion your heart and do some do I, I feel like you could you could choose what you feel is a safe path and 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 fail as miserably as it you know if if as if you had chosen something that is a you know seems like a pipe dream or a fantasy this is something i really want to do so why not dream and why not do something, you know, that you that you love to do? And music is, you know, is as good a career as anything. You know, I mean, it's it's uh, yeah. there's, there, there are pros and cons to every job you choose. I remember doing interviews. We had to for school when I was a kid and my uncle was a CPA and he was telling me. So I interviewed him. And he's like, well, it's very satisfying to. And I'm like thinking to myself what sit behind a desk and do people's taxes i'm like that just sounds terrible <laughs> I, can't, like, I love my uncle but i'm like oh my god that sounds like the worst thing yeah ever. tell me yeah for sure like i couldn't you know god bless him and to each his own but i couldn't do that man i i i the 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 fringe the uh the 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 uh the things that that happened to me through music wouldn't have happened if I hadn't be become a musician. Just the, the, you know, some of the things that I, some of the benefits that I never even considered because I just did it out of love, uh, love for music and fantasizing about being Jimmy Page or, or, yeah. you know, uh, Angus and Malcolm or just like, I want to do that. And through, you know, then, then I fantasize about being George Benson or Grant Green or Wes Montgomery and, you know, and, and, uh, I never had any delusions that I was going to be Julian Bream or, or Christopher Parkening, but you know, I yeah, love classical guitar, yeah. classical guitar, but I just didn't see where I was going to go with that at all. So. Well, just showing those kids, you know, like there, there is like, and I've had a lot of people and St. Pius was a place. If, if there's anything that I got done there, I mean a lot, I think, but especially I had, I, I always think outside the box. I'm like, 
who could I bring in to help show these kids that, you know, th- this music world really does exist. You, you don't have to do what your parents do. You, you know, if you have a dream and you want to, you know, so I, I mean, I've had, I had Janie Hendricks in Jimmy's sister. I had, you know, oh, Steve wow. Walsh from Kansas in. I had, like I texted you the other day. I don't know if you, you got it, but I said, I had a lot of great musicians at that school and I gave you the high five text and I hope you got that. Cause that includes you too, of course. So, um, yeah. you know, it's, oh, it's right. just a lot of, a lot of people there in it to show kids, Hey, you know, that, that you can go after these dreams and, and have some type of career music, how, how, how big or small it might be. And uh, that was a great week. And, and really for those high school kids, they really did a great job on difficult piece. Like for me and you, you know, when you're like, Oh, uh, I'm, I'm about to listen to a recording of a high school group. You'll be surprised, you know, maybe the listeners that, you know, even if they are not a fan of class, what you wrote was pretty modern and what they achieved on the stage was really great. I felt. It was, um, and, and uh, quite actually, when you, when you look at it harmonically, quite difficult. Oh yeah. The ranges and everything. The rain, well, the ranges and the chord, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to write something that's not uh, too busy, but uh, uh, so, you know, so there's not a lot of notes, but I'm going to try to create these, these uh, chord voicings that will be something that they probably haven't heard before, but you know, you take into consideration uh, kids and, a technical facility part of it is intonation so it's difficult so what they i was just so it, it was so exciting to sit back in the you know during the concert and i i sat back uh, in, at the back of the concert hall so i could see everybody and hear uh, ho- hopefully hear a balance and uh i thought yeah. they just did an amazing amazing job so it was so satisfying um to to just to, to work on this piece and and uh you know, and then get to collaborate with you and, you know, see it come to, come to fruition. And I just, yeah, the kid, the kids did a, did a great job. I got a commission. I'm going to write a piece for the Christian brothers high school in Memphis. Nice. It's their their 150th anniversary. Um, And it's a similar, similar thing. Patrick Bolton, the band director there, he's, he had the worst broken nose at at a helmet show I've ever seen back in like (laughs) 1990 or 91 it's it's finally healed up after you know 25 years or whatever but he uh you know he went on helmet fan in the pit and went on to become a band director at this great school and he's doing great things uh, as well which is really uh it's really yeah it's exciting exciting to me you know well i i would say something about that band director connection uh because i was i was going through a rough time in 2015 and i uh I came to I went to the Visualite Visualite show and I think that was the one where I where I gave you the Django record as, as a conversation starter, uh-huh. but uh, I was just you know I'm not going to get in the pit. Third song I'm in the pit. Fifth song I, I actually dove off the stage. I don't know if you remember that, <laughs> but uh, you know it, it's 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 the energy and uh, that and you know it's it's been some kind of a connection here with the band director thing. But uh, you know if that's in Memphis, if that's open, I'm coming over to that man. I got to check that out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, once yeah, once we get back to normal, once we get back to uh Well, this is the the the, the uh, anniversary is in 2023. So I will oh, okay. have the, I, I will present the piece to them um uh, December 22, 2022. So I have I uh, have 2 years to to you know. So it's it's just it was just great that he reached out. It's such a big event for them. It's the 150 year it's the oldest high school band in the country. So uh, you know, group. And it's, it's, uh, I, th- I thought another interesting thing with, with St. Pius that I learned a lot from was 
you've got uh, what seemed like, you know, a dozen flute players and you've got, uh, you know, percussionists and uh, which you obviously helped me with. Cause I was like, well, how am I going to write for all these percussionists? And I said, well, we'll do this. We can double these parts and do this yeah. was really, was great. A great learning experience for me to be like, you know, cause we're not talking about, you know, I'm, I'm writing for, you know, the Vienna Philharmonic and this is a set number of, you know, I got brass woodwinds, percussion and, yeah. and strings. And that's my group. This is like, okay, we've got kids playing doubling parts and, it's really interesting, really, really interesting for me. So it was a great, great time. What's the um, the ranger guy that helped you out there from USC? Antonini. Yeah, Marco, Marco Antonini. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Marco, Marco Valerio Antonini. Yes, awesome. Yeah, I, I just because uh, that's not in my uh, uh, everyday routine. I wanted him to look at the score, and he's uh, and a couple of things he pointed out. He's like, you, you don't want. Um, you know, one trombone and one saxophone because the, that there'll be huge intonation problems if you've got two or more, and with a violin, you know, part doubling this thing solo or yeah. two or three and little things like that that I hadn't thought of. And it goes all back to what we were talking about before: music roots, reading music, music yes. theory. Exactly. You know, to be able to do things like that. And um, you know, you you did a lot of work on that. You know, I would say more so than, and I won't mention any names, but like these modern day movie score composers, I have a good friend, another good friend in Los Angeles who, you know, he's got all the training. He can do the, you know, all the stuff and whatever. He says a lot of, you have a lot more theory of it, uh, you know, skill and arranging skill than a lot of composers, I would say, honestly, that I've heard of, because I've heard of stories of, you know, Oh, look, I wrote this melody on the piano and then they sub it out to five guys who create yeah. this amazing thing. And then he hogs all the credit for it, you know, and that's that, that doesn't seem right to me. Uh, yeah, I, but, I couldn't I personally couldn't do that. But that's know? the like, biz. That's the biz, I guess. You know? Yeah. I mean, I've been been blessed to work with Elliot Goldenthal for years off and on. And Elliot studied with Aaron Copeland and yeah. John Corleano and went to Man my alma mater, Manhattan School of Music. He said, oh, Paige, a great ex. I know for you, since you're doing this orchestral stuff, a great exercise. You take all the 2D sections from uh, uh, you know, Ravel, Rhapsody, and Espanol and transpose the whole thing up a, a, a third. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> that would take me a year, dude. You know, but that's where he's coming from. And no pay, no work. gain, bro. Yeah, he has a producer and he has orchestrators. He works with Steve Bartek, who's great, who I've gone to work with on the – I worked on, um, he worked on Across the Universe with us. He came to London when I recorded at Abbey Road and he worked on uh, In Dreams, the, the Neil Jordan movie. And, uh, but yeah. Elliot can, Elliot can do it. So it's not like, you know, it's one thing to, it's one thing for these guys that like you say, like, oh, I got this melody on the piano and like, I, I know, you know, major, minor and, you know, dominant. That's it, you know? Yeah. Uh, one, one more, one more education thing, and then we'll move on. We're 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 getting a little music nerd for any any of the rock fans out there, but we'll get all that other stuff covered. Going the other thing with Spice, which happened before that, is the drumline mashup. And and uh, I, I'm I'm at home. I'm, I'm I had a few beverages one night, and I'm like, you know what? I I, I knew I op had a dialogue open with you, and I'm like, I I, I play a little snare drum thing to a couple pieces. I think it was Blacktop, and it was Unsung. Uh-huh. And I was like, he's never going to go for this. Like, you know, and I sent it to you and you're like, hell yeah, man, we're going to do it. I was like, what? Uh -huh. 
And uh, but a lot of things had to happen to make, you know, these is, is at the masquerade, the old masquerade, which is a rock Mecca, Atlanta. I know you've played there many times. Yep, a lot of history there with you and, and bands there and, um, you know, people that, you know, in Atlanta, um, you know, in those other bands. But uh, that that to come together, you know, I had to make sure that the, the, the venue was cool. I had to make sure. And thank God, you know, you met our the principal there. You know, I could have had a jerk of a principal. No, you're not taking kids to a to a bar. You know, you're who who maybe would not have seen the vision the vision that you know for this thing. And then so the planets align somehow. You know, everything goes well, and kids get there. We have sound check. And do you remember all that? Remember that day? Of course, yeah, yeah. We have we have uh, uh, cute pictures. Um, they were wearing. I think we got them all dead to the world T-shirts uh, yeah. for that album, right? Yeah. Um, and the kids were all in matching t-shirts and their little baseball caps and stuff. And, yeah. uh, um, what were was- you, what were you expecting before you heard them play a note? Were you a little nervous? Oh yeah. It could have been, it could have been, <laughs> been a shit storm. Yeah. You know, you know, what's funny about that is I, I don't know if I told you this, but you know, um, and I know, I know communication in a band, you know, you're, you're always running, you're running the show, you're the head honcho, whatever, but I, I show up and, um, I think it was Dan or something. He's like, Hey Chad. He's like, they, they thought we were just playing on sound check. I don't oh. know. Yeah. So he had, they had no idea we were playing on the show that night. Oh. <laughs> Unless you had told them now if they suck, I'm going to can it, which we were oh, going to suck. Hilarious. But, but yeah, they had, they had no, no idea. And so, and you know, everybody does different that's, things on the road. That's so funny. Yeah. So, I, so then, then they, they like absolutely throw down, like it was, it was, yeah. But do you remember that though? Do you remember just first hearing them? I, I got, I would, I was like, man, can we take these kids on tour with this? Can we just do this all the time? It was just the energy level and the, 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 I mean, the, the sheer volume obviously of all those drums, but also the, just the energy level and the having all those people on stage that were, that were it just was, it was such a gas, man. I yeah. like, I, I would like to do a recording, you know, do something, you know, I mean, I know, uh, I know Fleetwood Mac did that on Tusk, I think, with the USC. Uh, um, yeah, but they just played bump, 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 bump. That was pretty, yeah. you know, it's cool. That's an epic tune. But we were, th- those kids were throwing down some notes with you. And uh, no, it was, it was musical, man. It was really musical and, and, and just had, it had incredibly musical and powerful. You know what I mean? It's that was like, really, that was, yeah, that was really fun to chart out. And um, one of the kids in that, in that line is doing, really well with a, a band young band called lunar vacation they're out of atlanta uh oh. young, younger people listening would know them but they're in the kind of the, the indie diy surf rock scene not the oh, surf cool. not, not the surf rock dick dale scene that we know of but uh, yeah. uh a newer vibe and uh, yeah that, no i know i know about that that scene a little bit yeah i mean i've heard some heard some music that's a great band name too lunar, lunar uh, vacation that's yeah really- yeah check them out but yeah connor dowd is he's one of the snare drummers at night and you got all this amazing kids in that line that was a great experience and i'm I'm just so glad that when it came to uh and that video by the way the guy that did the video of it it was up forever and there was a couple metal news um you know online metal news you know the the helmet plays with the drum line like i saw these uh, that's pretty cool and then i saw a youtube thing on it well the guy that filmed it doesn't work for that company anymore and whoever's in charge of the company took the video off of like they made it kind of a private listing now Huh. So, so I've got the original file downloaded. I'm going to re-release it, oh, um, cool. but it had like eighteen thousand views. 
um, just that's kids okay. playing in the drum line with you guys. You know, it was it was really cool. Really, well, that was a great event, man. To see something like that's that's why those are the reasons why I got into education. It wasn't to you know, okay, on the yeah. second beat, kids, lift your clarinet up. You know that th- those moments happen, but like those special moments, and from then on, you know, even here in Nashville, teaching rock band, I'm always looking for how can I make how can I make um, you know bridge the gap between you know what kids see as stardom and reality and show them that there is a path for them if they want to do it, you know? Yeah. So we had, you know, kids are playing this really cool, uh, another kind of surfy kind of rock band called beach bunny out of Chicago. They're pretty huge now, but uh, kids told me, told me about this band. I I had heard, I think I heard one tune and they're like, they started playing it. And I, and I look and see that this band's coming to town. So I, I get a hold of them. Like you guys want to come by. And so lo and behold, as a total surprise, they came and surprised my rock band kids blew their minds. That's cool. And my kids got to play one of beach bunny songs for them while they sat in the classroom and watched them. And it blew their minds too, like the kids and the band. And it was just a really, those kind of things. When you see those connections happen, that is why I'm still in education. I've been doing a long time, but, uh, I'm really happy that I, you got to be a part of that and, and, and we got to do that together. So um, moving on from education, name three of your favorite places to play in Europe. Oh, in Europe. Oh, boy. Um, Maybe every time you go, there's just a relentless crowd. It's just always amazing. Or is, is Prague? Kyle says Prague's one of those. Prague is, a, which, well, just one of the greatest cities in the world it's i just yeah. i could live there i love that place it's so beautiful first of all the architecture and the you know the food is phenomenal and the you know the women yeah <laughs> like, i really i really liked uh germ i went to the munich show and that was i had a great time you know i as a as a student at university of oregon i did the year abroad so i lived in stuttgart so my german's fairly fluent i know so i after that show remember we went out here's okay this is a bad memory for me so we go out i'm like hey i convinced let's go out and go to a bar so i'm leading i'm walking ahead like i know where i'm going and i have no idea where i'm going apparently and i get us lost and like the rest of the band bails oh so remember you remember this and then we we got a we got a taxi cab and out of nowhere, you start speaking German to the taxi cab that guy. And I was like, what? Oh, yeah. I had no idea, dude. Yeah, yeah. So I, because uh, I studied classical guitar in Stuttgart with Harold, uh, Harold Volt, who was yeah. a student of Carl Scheidt, who was Ralph Towner's teacher. Um, Ralph Towner's another one of my great heroes um, from the band Oregon. And now he's solo for, but has been forever and ever and ever. I think he lives in Rome now. But long story short, we the that show that you were at uh in munich was one of my all-time favorites that venue was amazing oh yeah um, and that was just just seeing people dance you know and have such a good it was one of those where we uh we had finished we had played several encore songs we had come out at least twice for like two three songs and another two three songs the the techs were tearing the stage down and they wouldn't leave so we came out and set up again and played more songs it was just and it's, it, Germany is such a musical, such an intense, and Ham, you know, I, I, it's hard to pick one place. Is Hamburg is also special. Stuttgart, where I lived, is special. Um, we love, you know, Cologne, all those places in Germany. But also the last show, um, the last several years in France, we had we sold out the La Boule Noire in, in Paris, which is incredible. And when I was playing with David Bowie. 
um, he did a press conference in Paris. We played uh, La Lisie Montmartre, which is where Helmut had played. And he, Bowie said, oh, my gosh, well, I did this press conference. And when I mentioned you, they, everybody started cheering. He's like, you are loved in France. And I said, <laughs> yeah. Um, I said, I go, that's, oh, that's, that's heartening to hear. But I love, it's hard to pick one place because I love, we love Spain and Italy. Italy, the food's always pretty much the best. Um, Spain is amazing. But I, I'm one of those weirdos that loves the UK as well. And I'm, I'm of Scottish descent. So Glasgow is uh, my only issue with Glasgow is the venues for loud music for a band of our size are not uh, ideal. Uh, there's yeah. the cat house and there's the uh, the garage small room and they're they're like tin. It's like playing in a side of tin drum. <laughs> yeah, not not conducive to a beautiful audio environment. But but the city Glasgow is just a, is one of the great. Uh, I actually fell in love with a Scottish girl and you know dated for a while. But it was a L.A. to Glasgow is a long haul, um, but uh, she's happily married and we're good friends now. But uh, that's a that's a great, great, great city. I mean, I, I don't want to leave anybody out. Well, going back to Munich, I was surprised. You know, the first time I've been to Germany and uh, that venue, kind of an industrial looking venue, cleanest, cleanest musical venue I've ever seen in my life. I, I like I, didn't, I, I don't I, remember seeing a beer cup on the ground. And after the concert, yeah. there wasn't a single one. And there, there was tons of beer there. Ironically, the place we played last year on the 30th tour was the was one of the filthiest, nastiest punk rock dive <laughs> I've ever been in in my life. It was disgusting. And I was like, I much preferred that nice. I don't mind a dirty venue, but this place just was too much. I, I it also, if I didn't mention that uh, Saint Avine, I'd be I'd be feel bad. That's one of the great clubs in the world. It's Helmet played there. It's the one club of the all that we've been touring in Europe. For all these years, the Ugly American Overkill tour with all the 5M rep bands on one bus was the first time we played Vienna. Was it St. Avine? Scene, it's called. Yeah. St. Avine. Um, that we still play there. And it's it's one of the greatest venues and the greatest people and the greatest, you know, obviously. Oh, v man. Viennese audiences are incredibly knowledgeable and funny and they're just good people, man. It's it's uh, And I have dear friends there who, yeah. So we, we had a fun night one night. Dan kept trying to say um he wanted to learn how to say in german lick my butthole and <laughs> and, uh, and so i was I, I so i brought it up to the crowd and i'm, I'm like that's basically kind of you can cut quietly lick my ass but it's like it doesn't really quite cut it so a guy had suggested a rosetta lech meine rosetta and rosetta is like it like if you think of a rose or a little flower like a think of a butthole and it's like <laughs> We, I had to, everybody. I don't know why he needed to know that sentence. I'm not going to ask, so we'll just leave it at that. It's just, you know, we, on the row, we, we get these different catchphrases. Yeah. We get stuck with this for a while, like all these quotes from movies, everything from Anchorman to fucking every, every movie that, you know, yeah. Christopher Guest ever did, you know, Best in Show. We, we quote those guys in particular. They're, they're all the same age, so they're a. Uh, they're big movie quoters and it's, it's really funny. You know, it's like uh, just dumb stuff. Like, you know, Dave and Dave will be like, Oh, we'll figure it out. It's like, Oh, well, let's, 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 let's touch dicks about it later. You know, and just... <laughs> the, the most interesting thing for me is how different, not better or worse necessarily, but how different it is in, in Europe. Like I go to the Munich show and I, and I, I, I've got like a beer in each hand. Right. And your pedal board is like right there on stage. I set both beers down 
Security doesn't say anything. It's I, I could easily spill the, you know, I'm not gonna, but you know, and then, so I, I go, I'm done with the beers. I go to set my jacket on stage. The guy almost throws me out. <laughs> oh, I was okay. like, I'm like, that's totally opposite in America. You don't put beer. You can put a jacket down. It was just really interesting. But the other thing that was, uh, I would leave, I would leave, you know, that place was jam packed. I'm guessing it was sold out. And I would yes. go, I would be gone for 15 minutes at the bar and I'd come back. I would, you know, I made so many friends there. It's amazing how all the good people you meet yeah. at a helmet show. And I come back with beers for people I don't even know and one guy, whatever. And my spot is still there. I was gone 15, 20 minutes at the bar and, and my jack, you know, my space, like, it's like nobody, you know, in America, my spot would have been gone. There would have been some girl up there, you know? Yeah. uh, yeah. And it, and it's amazing how much, in my opinion, how much more, how many more manners there are at a concert and respective space you know, yeah. in, in Europe that, that, that I've seen anyway. And um, yeah. I, been, I went to the Dublin show also, same thing. Although that wasn't the, you know, probably your favorite venue, but it was a great show. Which, uh, which show was it? Uh, that was the, the Button Factory. Oh, it was sold out. That was, yeah. Uh, yeah. no, it was, I love Dublin and the show was uh, actually, I loved the show. I loved the crowd. I loved everything yeah. about it. I didn't love the way we were treated at the end um, mm-hmm. of the night. Uh, people that seem to have nothing to do with, our show, they weren't. Our, it wasn't our promoter who invi- actually invited us. We were supposed to play the Sunstroke Festival in uh, Ireland this summer because he loved us so much. So the show was, you know, had sold out in advance. Was amazing, but but then they just they 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 ran us out of there like we were fucking you know criminals, and that pisses me off, man. Yeah, it was weird. I, I know that happens from time to time. You know, yeah, uh, very disrespectful very disrespectful i don't know who was responsible for that but i know i understand people want to go home but we just played a two-hour fucking show yeah we have a few friends we want to have a beer with we're not going to keep you there till five in the morning yeah you know, right you give an hour to shower and and change and you know get get post show yeah that's i love the show don't get me wrong that was fantastic that just was a that's one of those weird things that uh so, sometimes you know the, it's has nothing to do with your promoter or the crowd or the people at the club there's some some douchebag <laughs> yeah well you know those things happen in the rock and roll world man yeah i i, yeah. I get it and, and you've you've seen it all i'm sure and have to have, have help. remember we were we were we were in seattle and we played the wire fest and we helmet did a headline show at the crocodile and my you know dear friend and you know punk rock icon hero graham um lewis from from uh wire was there with us and he was fucking helping us you know slap gear out and some guy yelled at him and like something what i was like i'm like and graham was like i'm 65 years old or whatever he's like give me a fucking brand i'm like this guy has no idea who yeah. he's, who's being an asshole to yeah like, it's yeah some security knucklehead jerk off it's yeah it's like you know that's human nature i mean you've got people in a pandemic that don't want to wear a mask because it's their right to not. I'm like, how about having some consideration for some, for, for other people for a fucking Yeah. Time? It's, it's crazy out there, man. And I'm, I'm really trying to stay away from the social media stuff on those things. I'm just trying to share music and trying to do that. And in, in this yeah. podcast, so where, yeah, yeah. where haven't you played that you would like to play someday? Is there a place you haven't played that you'd like to go to? <laughs> I just did did an interview with a guy in Tel Aviv, and I've told him I said I have a favor to ask of you, and he said once this pandemic ends, we'll make it happen. I want to play uh, Israel. I want to play. Um, I just um, we're applying for a grant. 
you can get a grant to play in uh, uh, Delhi in India. Um, so we're, uh, I want to play in India. I, I've never played in Southeast Asia. I've never played in China. I want to go there. I want to go to St. Petersburg, um, Moscow. <laughs> I have a lot of, I, I have a huge list of, we had this extensive South American tour planned for October because we usually play Santiago, Sao Paulo, who are both places I really love. We've never played Lima. We've never played Buenos Aires. We had all these yeah. great shows lined up. I, I love playing. I've played Mexico City several times. I love oh, that. Has that was that crazy? Oh, it's it's incredible. Absolutely yeah. incredible. I mean, just a beautiful city. The food is off the hook. And the energy was the crowd very responsive and crazy. Just like, oh yeah, yeah. Fantastic. yeah. Really a great great place to play. When bands don't, I equate it to in some way. You know, back in my metal days, Metallica didn't come to Florida for like five or six years. Not the same thing, but like yeah. they finally came and it, it was the most it was insanity. Like one of yeah. the and, you know, but times that by 10 and you get, you know, these countries where most bands don't have a chance to go play. And when they finally do, that's a life event for, for some of those people, you know, and it's, yeah. a, it's a beautiful thing. And I've seen a, different documentaries where. Iron Maiden going there, or Rush going there, or anybody else. It must be an incredible experience. More importantly, this is let's get to some serious questions. What is your favorite brand of cymbals? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tell uh, tell the people about your about your cymbal thing. Kyle and I were talking well, about it. Well, I mean, I'm a singer, and you know, and I, <laughs> I, I, you know, microphones, vocal microphones, pick up a lot of stuff. Even though it's a super cardioid, you know, it's. Um, it's it's a it's kind of the bane of my existence and and I and I blame my my severe tinnitus on symbols and I you know I understand the energy and I understand the 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 you know the importance of symbols but I also <laughs> <laughs> the modern drummer is a is a different beast than Ringo was you know yeah. and yeah. Ringo could play uh, you know come together and he doesn't hit a symbol till like what you know minute and a half into the song or whatever or Bonzo, you know, like yeah. discipline of those guys. It's a different, a different, um, it's a different instrument these days. And I, it's just, it's, um, we, we, we're, we've, you know, figured out ways to kind of deal with it over the years. Um, we have, I build plexi shields, but it does affect the sound of the vocal because you have to EQ some of that, that, uh, you know, stuff uh, uh, higher than 6K out because it's just not desirable. Right, right. Well, not, not being too serious on that. We, it's just kind of a fun joke is it when yeah. I talk to you off, off, off podcast, we joke about it. And Kyle, yeah. on his interview, I mentioned, he's like, oh, I know all about it. You know, I know about the symbol thing. But, you know, yeah. the, other, the, the other day I saw some companies making symbol shields now. And I was like, wow. I was yeah. like, Paige was doing that probably before anybody else. Yeah, well, we had with Stanier, we had one built. We, uh, our techs, uh, uh, Brian Doyle, one of my great friends in super tech from back in the day, he, I think he, he and also Andy Meyer, they they were pretty, pretty brilliant. And uh, like Andy worked with, uh, Neil Diamond, I mean, he was a super, super guy. And they were all just, and, you know, uh, uh, Brian and also Jeff Shaw, who worked with Prince. And these guys were really smart, really, like, great techs. And they came up, they built a little corner frame thing for for uh, stage left for John's, um, uh, you know, symbols. Because John liked to use these earth rides as his crashes. And those things were so goddamn loud, man. They were, um, and I, you know, I get it. I, I get it. It'd be like me, me having to turn my guitar amp down or whatever. But as long as the drummers are, are, are willing to be, you know, to, to work with me on it and be musical and understand that I want my, I don't want my experience. You're funny. You, you can say what's on your heart, man. Are you, are you tiptoeing around? Cause you got some symbol sponsors you don't want to lose. <laughs> nope. No, 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 no. 
I'm no, totally I, joshing, man. By the yeah, way. I can't. I I could not not say that I hate cymbals, but but they <laughs> they 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 are overdone, and drummers need to learn. You know, they they need to learn to you know. I, totally, they, I'm with they you. Use them a little less. You know, it's, yeah. It's, I think you know, like I say, when you it's a different style of music, and I know it's a big part of it. But John John Stanier and um, and Tim Pesta and Kyle are are all really easy to work with as far as that goes. They understand that that's part of a thing that you know. Hey, we got a vocalist here, and the you know it's going to bleed into the vocal mic. And they they all worked with me. We all it's all it's just a fun fun thing you know to joke about because yeah. it's yeah, like, yeah something that irks the boss. It's kind of fun to talk about. Um, yeah, of course, yeah. When do you see the music industry coming back and making some kind of recovery, or will it? And, and like, what are you hearing from industry people that you know right now? Well, we know that uh, 2020 is uh, done for us. Yeah. For us, anyway, we had we had rebooked Australia, New Zealand, Japan for November from April, May, and then that that's now moved to next July. So um, July, August, we have our first show booked, um, you know, on hold, I should say, in mid-May next year, 2021. I, and I pray it happens. I'm going to lose my mind. Um, Helmet is talking about uh, actually if if we can if they lift travel restrictions a bit, getting Dave Case out here from New York so we can go to Thomas Lang's studio and do a live um, concert. So Thomas has a beautiful setup there with camera GoPros and cameras all over the place. And that's one, one option we're talking about. Cause I just feel like it's such a long time to have, I've never had this much time away from touring. So it's, it's hard. That's why I want to do the, the educational stuff teaching. Cause I'm losing my mind. I mean, it's, it's yeah. Have to, I have to have some contact with other musicians and you know students and and whatnot. It's it's really a yeah it's 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 a real soul searching time and I you know you don't realize what a great part you know percentage of your happiness and self esteem is tied up in being able to perform and interact with mus- other musicians. It really is. It's and I never yeah. took it for, I've never ever ever taken it for granted. But man, this is really emphasizing the emphasizing the you know how important it is yeah i've got some shows that 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 just got canceled in august there's one at the end of september it's like you know it's probably gonna go but it may hang in there it's a kind of an open air place thing yeah but you just never know um well you know hopefully we get to a normal and uh, before we wrap it up here um you know everybody uh, helmet fans love helmet i enjoy the band you love the band have you ever either wanted to start a complete brand new project fresh something a, a new band or have you been asked to be in a band and decline because of helmet or you know i mean i can imagine there was a time when helmet was broke up and people are like obviously you play with bowie but yeah. in, in recent times have people asked you to join a band or they know you're busy with your own stuff or, or is that uh, something you would even consider it's been a while. I mean, I, I do have a side project in New York with guys that I used to play with in Brooklyn in the eighties. Uh, that's called, they were called Malumbo. Yeah. Um, right. So we made, we made that album Malumbo uh, with Paige Hamilton or Malumbo and Paige Hamilton or whatever. I didn't even think about it being, you know, right. trying to, you know, jump on the helmet, the coattails or whatever. Cause it's fun. I'm, and the album's pretty cool. I like it. I, there were some things I would have done differently. Um, uh, but it, but we, we, with the time that we had and in a situation that we were in, we did the best, you know, and it's, uh, it's really interesting. I think music, I just, I would have mixed things differently and, right. um, but, uh, you know, gosh, back, you know, when I still lived in New York, Tommy Lee had asked me to join, um, his, he had a thing called methods of mayhem and, yeah. um, 
and uh, I uh, and Vernon Reed had asked approached my manager about doing something with me and um, uh, Serge Serge from System of a Down asked me to join his uh, solo thing. He played me some tracks um, when he was recording or mixing, actually mixing, I believe. Sure. His, his car, and I, I I'm flattered, and I'm and I'm that these people are uh, you know admire what I do enough to ask me to play with them, but I'm also selfish time wise and i have um i'm working on my own jazz album right now like and i have been for my entire life it feels like right um, and i'm gonna do a song with antonia bennett tony bennett's daughter who's a yes. wonderful singer um and i'm gonna you know so it's been it's been really important to me to to and i have to have uh, be able to work on that every day and then thomas lang and i had started writing together before the shit hit the fan and uh we're gonna get back to that here in the next month um, and, uh, so, you know, so that's important to me. So Thomas is the last person I can think of that asked me to do something along those lines. I mean, people have, I get probably get a call every two weeks from someone that's like, I want to work with you. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, it's, a, it's, is it a work <laughs> right. for high? Is it a work for hire? Cause I don't work for free, you know? And, yeah. um, and I have to be honest with people. I say, you know, and I'm selfish. I, I have my own projects that I'm working on. And, you know, helmet is your baby. And to keep that boat flowing, there's so much involved, right? Keep, keep that boat sailing in the right direction and not drop the ball on something or whatever. Uh, you, you, I think you're able to take a break from it at times, but you're doing other things. But then you don't want to you don't want to put that down too long, it seems like. I, I don't. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just we're just we're organizing these uh, seven inches, these cover songs. And we're, we're planning the tour for next year to be this covers covers and hits tours or something along those lines. And uh, we also have the live show from CBGB's and uh, from the big. Yeah. What's the update on that? I was, yeah, those are, those are mixed. We're just, you know, our label is a little slow and it's, and, and we're patient because it's been a shitty time for everyone. And, um, and so we're David, my manager is working with them and trying to get that stuff uh, lined up so we can release it. Um, and then um, I, you know, and I've told him I wanted I want to write another Helmet album. So that's those are all kind of in the in the in the works. Um, some are further along than others. The artwork is done for the seven inches. We, the artwork's not done for the live stuff. And the, um, yeah, and then I'm I'm reorganizing um, and, and pulling together a volume two of movie music. So we're because I now got that music back from uh, Nile Rodgers uh, something. Yeah. Music. Uh, distribution put out uh, volume one so we're going to re-release volume one and release a second volume so i'm just doing mixes on those um and i did the play-alongs toshi my great friend toshi kasai who's the melvins and um Kui and various bands he's he uh did the play-along mixes for us so you can have like a music minus one kind of thing you know yeah uh, those are really cool for for people to play along you can play along with unsung you know in a or in the meantime, or pure, uh, there's five songs that we're going to do so that we've done. So, yeah, that's awesome. Well, Paige, it's been great, man. We've, we've been able to, it's been nice getting to know you over the last couple of years and uh, watching helmet on, on its various escapades in different cities and also being, yeah. able, to, being able to teach with you. And uh, you even let me dr- drag you out to a jazz jam one time in Atlanta. That was fun too. So we got to yeah, play. Man. Yeah, man. I likewise, the band loves having you around too. So you, as you know, you're family and you're always welcome. And, uh, in the helmet camp so right on man yeah i look forward to getting out to nashville and working with those kids so that's going to be fun yeah and uh i've also a couple times been trying to check out the dead deads which is another uh a group that you produced and um and i know you've done a lot of producing and stuff so um 
you know, over the years. Do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy coming in and working with the team and like helping people shape their stuff? I love it. Absolutely love it. It was the first one I did was Gavin Rossdale and because uh, Jimmy Iovine asked me to produce that and Gavin wanted me to. And, and uh, it was it was so much fun. I, I love Dead Dead were, a, were an absolute joy to work with. Um, they, uh, you know, and I, I, I did, they were so happy. We were just going to do an EP and they were so happy with the first half of the, with the, with the EP that they decided to make that the first half of an album. And then they flew me to Nashville and we finished a, an entire record. And I'm, um, uh, I'm really happy, really happy with it. They're great, great, you know, folks. And, uh, it's, I, it's Tish is a, is a very, very talented songwriter. Uh, she's, she's got a lot of great ideas and, Maybe talk a little bit about, um, you know, the side projects that your that your other band members are involved with, like Dan and his band and the other yes. things. Yes, uh, uh, Dan Dan and Dave Case have a band with Dan's brother Pete Beeman, who was in a, a great band on Amphetamine Reptile uh, uh, called Guzzard, and their band is called Killer Hill, and I love them. I just love them. I got the first couple of songs that they put out and uh, and saw them live. And I just love him. And Dave has a band that he formed when he was like a teenager. Um, I don't remember how old because I, I, I used to say he was 14 or 15 and he corrected me. So I don't want to quote the wrong age. I'm like, <laughs> he corrected me like it mattered. I'm like, OK, <laughs> actually, Paige, I was uh, we were 15. Well, I'm, like, I'm, I'm OCD like that. You know, people. God, it was really funny. But uh, yeah, they're called Afterbirth, which uh, is a is a is death metal but it's really great man it's it's really cool cool stuff and it's it's kooky but it's it's cool kooky it's musical and uh kyle is always doing a variety of things i don't know if he's working on something um outside helmet uh but but he uh he can you know he's a really good singer um all the guys are actually really good singers all three of them so it's really funny all right, yeah. man. What's well, been great? I, I imagine you got to got to schedule the rest of your day. You got other stuff coming up next, and I, yep, I gotta I gotta hop in the shower. Actually, I'm going to, to uh, my friend's son, sixteen year old son, is here with his ex wife, and I'm gonna uh, I make uh, I bought dinner for him, so we're gonna go cook it. Over. Very nice. I've 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 done a cookout at the Paige Hamilton household. That was fun. Good deal. Yeah. Have, have a great time. Thanks. Bud. And uh, thanks for joining us on Sunday Music Soapbox today, Paige. Yeah, great to catch up, Chad. Have a great uh, afternoon, okay? All right, brother. Take care. See you, brother. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Paige Hamilton. Now we're going to take a listen to the piece that he wrote, uh, the modern symphonic work entitled St. Pius Spirit Rising. It was written by Paige Hamilton, and it was arranged by M.V. Antonini, and as well as myself, and it premiered on March 30th, 2017 in Atlanta, Georgia. And it really reflects uh, Page's modern kind of symphonic writing style that he uses in films. And, and that's exactly what we wanted to approach with these students, uh, give them kind of a modern piece. So this is quite a departure from your normal helmet listening. So I hope you're ready for this. St. Pius Spirit Rising. Enjoy.
All right, and again, that was the piece St. Pius Spirit Rising, Modern Symphonic Work, written by Paige Hamilton of Helmet, and that premiere was March 30th, 2017. There's a video available on YouTube to actually watch the live performance if you want to check it out. Just look up St. Pius Spirit Rising and St. Pius X Catholic High School, Paige Hamilton. Should be able to find it, and we'll try and make the actual download of the recording available if you'd like to hear it again. Of course, you could always just re-listen to it right here on this episode. But thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Sunday Music Soapbox. Take care. I want to remind the listeners that you can reach out to us at Sunday Music Soapbox on Gmail at sundaymusicsoapbox at gmail.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you very much.